BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hi, everyone. My name is Jack Rico, and welcome to episode 146 of the Highly Relevant Podcast. It's our first episode of 2021. Well, my guest today is Colombian actress Vanessa Rubio, who stars as Carmen Diaz in the hit Netflix show, Cobra Kai. Oh, hey. Hey, Tony. Is it too late? Oh. I, uh, I heard what happened at the meeting. He was a true champion. Believe me, I had nothing to do with that. Yes, you did. You had everything to do with that. We discuss what it's like to be on a hit mainstream show, her first reaction to hearing that she was officially cast in Cobra Kai, and why she believes the arts are needed more than ever right now. But before we talk to Vanessa, it's time I give you my weekly review of what's happening in Latinx pop culture in a segment I like to call Jacked In. Let's begin with the top movie, TV, and music news of the week. Jennifer Lopez and Demi Lovato will perform at Biden's inauguration January 20th. Selena Gomez releases new Spanish single and confirmed Spanish album. Zoe Saldana will join David O. Russell's new drama. Olivia Rodrigo's driver's license is the most streamed new release in Spotify history with 15 million streams. Cardi B is starring comedy Assisted Living for Paramount Pictures. Rita Moreno, Just a Girl Who Decided to Go For It, will have a world premiere at this year's virtual Sundance Film Festival on January 29th. And Latina Warner Media executives Lucinda Martinez, Luis Peraza, and Roberto Rios will be leaving the company. And in tech and social media news, all social media, including Snapchat, have permanently banned Donald Trump. Netflix will release a new movie every week, all of 2021. Apple invests $10 million in venture capital firm focused on diverse founders. Google has officially bought Fitbit, and Sony has announced a fresh new restock of PS5 consoles at your local video game store. Bueno, Vanessa Rubio, welcome to the Highly Relevant Podcast. How are you? Doing well, and I'm really thankful and grateful to be here. Well, first of all, it's exciting to talk to you because you don't talk to Latina actors, Latinx actors very much on mainstream television shows or mainstream hit movies. It's just rare. You know, uh, there's been so many uh, studies done that 3% of representation of Latinos are on film or television. Um, and it, it's a crime, obviously, because we're 18 to almost 20% of the population that is not reflected in media, but you happen to be one of the ones, you and Sholo and so many diverse uh, Latinos that are on TV, especially in the show, that actually have a, a front role in a hit show. So tell us what it's, what is it like to be part of a hit show while still being a Hispanic and fulfilling that representation on media? Oh, uh, well, I love 
the numbers you just put out there because you don't, as an actor, I, I try not to think about it so much just because for me, it then I don't want to come at it with that angle, you know. Um, I just have to do my work and remain as honest as I can be and fully embracing my experiences as I've lived them, you know. Um, and I feel like acting and my training has done me a great service in, in learning how to fully embrace that, you know, in the midst of a uh, business and maybe society that uh, tacitly kind of puts that on the margins or something, you know, and I'm like, no, mm -hmm. you know, that's not going to happen here. My stories are my stories and uh, they resonate with me and, and I'm here and many other people who look like me are too. So as much as I can share those stories on an, um, an honest level, I think I'm doing my part, you know. But of course, coming up in the industry, it's always in your face. They're always like, well, you're this and you're that, so you're going to be seen for these kind of roles. And instinctively, as an individual, I hate being put in a box. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just like, oh, that's painful. But you just kind of have to see what works for you and do the best that you can do, you know? So like with the wonderful success of Cobra Kai, it's cumulative, you know, it's built on so many other things that I've done and so much other training. So as long as I can show up and, and do my part and be honest and just be true to this character, be true to the story, I'm doing my work, you know what I mean? And, and then I allow it to just do its work. <laughs> Where were you when you heard the news that you were going to be a part of the Cobra Kai franchise? Um, I was in New York and the Cobra Kai journey has been very up and down, you know, like when we were first doing it and when I was first cast, it's kind of like, oh yeah, they're doing this reboot. You know, like, okay. And then we're going to be on YouTube. Oh, yeah. Who knows? One of many reboots that are happening in Hollywood, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> and so we, we went on YouTube and had great success and wonderful fans. And then this year, for whatever reason, and I do believe in, you know, divine timing, it happened that in August of 2020, it had this rebirth on Netflix, which was just phenomenal, astronomical and just kind of it, it, Netflix has this worldwide reach that um, really is wonderful. Why do you think art is so important, especially in a moment like this that has allowed Cobra Kai to flourish? Um, Cobra Kai has something special about it. I mean, it, it has 30 plus years of inception as a, as a concept. Um, and when it did come out in 1984, it just hit a lot of notes for us, you know, in, in the storytelling and, and the beautiful way that it was portrayed. So I think those things were timeless and that enables it to transcend and to have a second life now. And I think the producers, John, Josh and, and Hayden are really intelligent in growing that in a, in a good way. That's cheeky and kind of um, self-reflective uh, and makes fun of itself, you know, while still retaining these um, timeless truths. 
you play Carmen Diaz, uh, which is the mother of uh, Sholo yeah. uh, in, in the show. And I understand that she's an immigrant from Ecuador, but you're from Colombia. Did you have to do any research to kind of get the Ecuadorian part right? Even though we're cousins, you know, yeah. con Peru y Venezuela and everything else. Uh, how did you prepare for this role in particular? Did you even have to? Um, I mean, I would say like my whole life was a preparation, you know? Uh, <laughs> like, okay, but what strong Latina characters do I know? Oh, plenty, you know, I grew up with them. Um, my mother right. certainly figures in largely into the role of Carmen. My mother's name was actually Carmen. So it, mm. it, hits, uh, it hits home for me a lot. Um, my mother's cousins, um, just the, the observant, being able to observe how uh, a female from another country, from a Latin American country, comes into this one and, and raising a family at the same time. It's an incredible journey. You know, it's, it's very deep and very rich. And just in that, and observing, you know, bringing up my memories of, um, of you know, dinners with my family and, and seeing my mom come home from work. You know, I replayed that in my mind a lot. And seeing how she, how she was, you know, what had happened at work, but she still made it to the, to the dinner table. You know, all those things were, were uh, taking in so much more than I think we realize. And uh, just to be able to bring that out in a character is, is a pure joy. Um, I did decide on the accent because like she, she would have an accent. The producers were like, it's up to you. And um, yeah, I know a lot of uh, Latino actors are like, not every Latino is accented, you know? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I get it. I get it. I'm not. I mean, I grew up in New Jersey. Uh, maybe I have a Jersey accent, but in this case, she came when she was like, what, 18 or 19? So she would have an accent. And, and this is very interesting. You talk about accents because we live in a world right now where, where white actors are being fired from like the Simpsons, like Hank Azaria for putting out a accent that is not theirs. How does it play out with Latinos and accents? Because we all have so many accents. Like I'm sure you could play a Mexican right? With a Mexican accent. But there's so many people that are like, but wait a minute, should that Colombian actress actually replace a Mexican actress? I mean, I think it's up to the production. It's up to, to them and what they feel comfortable with. We are in this place of evolving. And um, I'm always like, in my perspective, I'm like, hey, Latinos, Latinos, you know what I mean? We, we got to help each other out. Um, and I certainly have friends who are, you know, voiceover actors and they, they have perfected <laughs> their Colombian accent, their Mexican yeah. accent, their Cuban accent. And it's amazing to see that um, artistry. I consider it an artistry because you have to have a good ear for that. Um, so I don't know, maybe we learn somewhere in the middle, you know, where, where we are um, enriching ourselves with the ability of actors, right? Uh, but also maybe seeing if the production feels comfortable with that. Where is Carmen Diaz in season three? For Carmen's character, I mean, her main motivation is being a good mother, loving, 
her son, you know, seeing him out into the world. That's like, her son is like her everything. Um, so it's totally overwhelming. And, um, in such circumstances, I think it's just moment by moment, right? She has to see him through the hospital. She has to see him through the wheelchair, um, and the surgery and the caretaking and this and that. And it's like, when you're in the middle of that in life, it's only that moment. Mm-hmm. You're, you're just like, I made it through that minute. Oh my God, it's great. Um, so you're just basically treading water. Um, and then afterwards in the progression of season three, you get to see her then have a moment where everything is, is better. And then she can address you know, the situation with, with Johnny. Um, and also interwoven in there is, is the, I think the really beautiful relationship that she and Johnny have built, which is very much on happenstance and <laughs> deep conversations that like <laughs> that neither one have planned on. Um, so I think it's- because there is another woman in season three that might make an appearance. <laughs> so we might have a love triangle. And one of them is a fan favorite from the originals. I don't want to say too much about it, but there is word already on the internet about it. How is Carmen going to react to all of this? I know. And all these things like team Carmen or team this one, you guys decide. But I do, I do think uh, Carmen and Johnny have built up a, a, a beautiful thing over the past three seasons, and we just got to see where they take it. I would like to see uh, Johnny Lawrence, William Sapka's character, be with a diverse woman. That, that, that's just my particular opinion. I think in 2021, we need to see more of those couples on television. We need to see that they're accepted and that there is no problem with that. I mean, obviously interracial couples happen all the time, but in TV, it's not very much seen. Do you think that's changing? Yes. And I hope it changes even more. I mean, yeah, we have to go through the hurdles of seeing it portrayed. I mean, I just passed a a poster or something and it was an interracial couple. And, uh, and you know, the, there's the feeling of like, well, why are you doing this? You know what I mean? Like, are you trying mm. to, are you trying to get on this bandwagon just to be cool? Right. Or are right. you really, um, behind it fully, you know, like not just for gaining popularity or followers? Is it, yeah. Right. Cause is it organic or is it artificial? Right. Right. And I think, yeah, honestly, it can be both, you know, we have many spectrums of, of those things. We just have to see our way through it and continue telling stories and continue evolving in our storytelling because I would love it. Envisioning, I was just envisioning it the other day. You know, and Bridgerton has been amazing. I love- Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's amazing to see this uh, historical period that we're so used to seeing it told one way, now seeing it told another way and not having a problem with it. It's wonderful. Yeah, interracial love. That's right. It's it opens the doors within us, and I think, you know, we can only get better at that. We can only envision like ten years down the line, turning on the TV and seeing a brotherhood, sisterhood of humanity portrayed. You know, no questions asked. This, we're all human. That's it. Vanessa, I hear you're Afro Latina. I am. Who is the Afro? In your family, is it your father, your mother's side? My mother's side. My mother uh, was uh, half Afro-Latina and half, I guess, uh, white Latina. 
Um, my grandparents uh, were married like 60 plus years. Um, on my mother's mm -hmm. side, my grandfather was Afro-Latino, Afro-Colombiano. And uh, they just married after four months of knowing each other. And we're basically like the, the solid rock of, of love in our family, you know? Yeah, we really mm. uh, celebrated them because their love was so, so beautiful and so true. Um, so yeah, my, my family is all spectrum of, of the colors and uh, that's how I grew up. And I, you know, I don't know, are you Afro Latino? You know, I just found out that my, I did my ancestry. Have you ever done that? The ancestry, the DNA? So I just finished doing it. Y como Colombiano, I was thinking to myself, I'm, you know, I, I'm going to be like all Colombian. And I found out that I'm 29% Spaniard, 28% Native American de Colombia. So I imagine los indios que vivían en Colombia. I'm a lot of that. And then I found out like I'm 10% black between Bantu and the Congos and South Africa, and then maybe some Italian in me. What I found out is us Latinos have the superpower that Jose Vasconcelos talked about in um, La Raza Cosmica. I'm not sure if you've read that book, but it supposedly what his theory and concept is that Latinos are essentially a superpower of all the races. We have the best of blacks, the best of whites, the best of Asians, the best of Native Americans which allows us to be chameleons in a particular way and to be able to code switch and fit anywhere you need us to. We're like the super race, according to Jose. I love it. Yes, you should read that book. It kind of changed really my view because I think a lot of Latinos feel like they're second-class citizens in this country. And I think, it's a, it, I think we need to be told that we're not second-class citizens. If anything, we're the global superpower race of the world. Not everybody is able to speak as many languages as us, to be able to relate to other races in the same yeah. way without missing a beat. But having someone like you, having someone that allows us to be able to experience Hispanic in all its complexities and all its nuances, I just happen to think it's such a beautiful thing. I totally agree with you. Totally agree with you. And, and it's exciting too, because I'm excited to see more people like, you know, who look like you and me on the screen telling stories. Do you want to direct? Well, I do want to direct. I have thrown myself in the director's position when I was really young. I mean, I just like threw myself in the deep end, uh, but I loved it. It was great. And um, I am a very visual person. Um, I paint as well. And I love that most, a lot of directors are also painters. I think that in 2021, I mean, Let's just continue telling stories that build our humanity because I think we need it now more than ever, you know, um, to build compassion and humanity within our storytelling and to break the old stereotypes, to break the old tropes, you know what I mean? Like, which it's, it's um, a hard thing to do, but not impossible. And I think we are all seeing our humanity a bit more up close now you know, and things that we can't take with us into the future is what I say. Um, 2020 was a real eye opener for us. And, you know, how can uh, black and brown people be treated this way in this country? And I think we needed to slow down and actually take that in and be like, this isn't right. You know, it's being presented to us for a reason. 
So um, I think that that can feed into a lot of really beautiful storytelling that hopefully will break out of stereotypes and not keep us there, but evolve us forward. And before I wrap up here, here are three land tracks you might want to add to your playlist this weekend. And all my friends are tired of hearing how much I miss you, but I kind of feel sorry for them because they'll never know you the way that I do yet. Driver's License, Olivia Rodriguez. Supernova, Chia Casanova. Puente, Vale. That's it for episode 146 of the Highly Relevant Podcast. I'd like to thank Vanessa Rubio for coming on the show. And if you'd like to support this podcast, please subscribe if you feel valued what we do. Also, we have a new podcast about race and pop culture called Brown and Black with Mike Sargent and me. It's available on all podcast platforms, including Spotify and Pandora. I'm Jack Rico. See you next time on another episode of Highly Relevant. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.